All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor. I have my co-host, Jaden, here. Yeah. And our producer, McKinnon. What's up? And former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And we are going to start part two of The Lighthouse. So part one, we went over more like filming techniques and like the equipment used and stuff like that. And this one is going to dive more into like themes, narrative, kind of uh, the story itself and maybe go over some of the scenes we like. But uh, so this is a a little bit different than the uh, the first part. We're going to kind of dive deeper into the uh, the story itself. Yeah, I've been told that no one gives a shit about my camera knowledge and that the I first like part it. is not like I, I hope someone out there does. I think in so I I do I talk about Lord of the Rings so much on this show. <laughs> uh but I love the, all the behind the scenes stuff and figuring out like how did they do it and and so I think all the, the why did they use this kind of film? Why did they use this kind of camera? Like the kind of info that goes into the lenses. Like I think that's cool. I like I like hearing about it. So it doesn't matter if the if the viewer doesn't like it. I like hearing about it. So, yeah, the, so uh, thank yeah. you for sharing, yeah. Calvin. Fuck, the fuck technical, the yeah, no, the technical <laughs> stuff sorry. goes we, yeah. goes unnoticed. And yeah, it's definitely worth recognizing because it's easy to watch yeah. a movie and, and not think about the work that goes into filming it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I so if you're I listening right now, then we're moving on from that, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about yeah, like we said, themes, narratives, kind of motifs, just uh, stuff like that. Yeah, oh man, love me some themes and motifs, so I'm ready to dive in here. So to start this off, uh, Calvin is probably our most pretentious member of the crew here. And no, I'm not sure I take that as an insult, yeah. though. So I, I, had a, I had a little segment I want to add in. It was like, what do, what do I think Calvin thinks of this movie? And I just come up with something vague, like vaguely pretentious to say about it. <laughs> so this is, this is my take on what Calvin thinks. is uh, This movie is about repressed homosexuality and the fact that they tend to a lighthouse, which is phallic in nature, represents the character's need to tend to penis. <laughs> that makes I mean, perfect sense. I mean, I don't know why you're making fun of me. That is the point. That's, right. <laughs> that's what I think this movie's about. That's not pretentious. That's what it is. Yeah, I love how, yeah. Well, I mean, clearly you, you understood the point. I, I guess I caught the film for what it was about. Jayden, yeah, spoiler Jayden, alerts. Yeah, it's all about penises. Jaden, how pretentious was that? Uh, it's, I don't know, man. I think it was the full amount. I think I, I just think, wait. I think it, gets, it, was, it gets worse than that. I think the the pretentiousness was yeah, fully erect there. Okay. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> yeah, full full mast. I was just about to make that joke. Ah. There we go. The ships were fully masked, and so were the. I think that's a successful else, yeah. segment. I think we keep that one in the show. I like that a lot. No, yeah. Well, at least you know where we're going now. Yeah. There's no uh, like no preconceived notions. You know what this episode's about. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's talk about like wider narrative themes before we dive down under. So, yeah, what I want to talk about is that whole opening sequence that it, nothing really stands out as being um unusual, but it's how all of these little things built this this wider atmosphere of of oppression of uh oppression very uh, isolated, um, the division between the two characters. And so what we start is where they get off the boat, um, they're carrying their trunks, wake is going on um, up above um, well, a lot quicker because he's used to the terrain. Uh, whereas Wake Howard, is yeah, Willem Dafoe's character. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thomas Wake's Willem Dafoe's character, and then uh, Thomas Howard, um, or Ephraim Winslow, Ephraim Winslow. is um, Robert Patton's character. And he's hanging back a little bit and then they're walking up to the lighthouse um and you see the two men leaving and they're carrying a trunk between the two of them whereas um 
Howard and Wake are carrying their own separate trunks, show, you know, highlighting the difference between what a partnership looks like and how these characters are divided. I actually didn't notice that. I, I, I When I watched that, I just thought it as, like, the, the crew that's leaving, they're just, like, because they just, like, walk right past. There's no greeting. There's not, like, hey, uh, you know, have fun at the lighthouse, and they don't, like, exchange any pleasantries. They just walk past each other. I just saw it as, like, they just, like, want to get the fuck out of there as fast as they can. They're just like, let's carry this shit to the boat and get out. Like, that's what I took from it. But that's, yeah. like, a good point. I, I didn't even, like, really notice that they were, like, carrying it together. And, uh, yeah. And, and Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson aren't. Like, that's that's a cool take. Yeah. And the reason I, I, I'm reading more into that is it, it, they continue to um, create division with the shots that they, they follow after that. They have the shot of them both looking at the tender as, he, as they're sailing away. And then one leaves and the other stays for a moment. And then uh, Howard goes into the kitchen and is smoking, um, staring out the window. He goes over to the, the cabinet, the dresser that we later find out is where the logbook is locked, tries to open it, and it's locked, indicating some something that's kept away from him um, that he's not allowed to see. And then when he goes up to the bedroom, there's uh, Wake uh, peeing into a chamber pot, and Howard hits his head on the... Uh, on the ceiling because it's very small compact he goes and sits on the bed in the frame which is not normally well good for uh, photography when you have an image bisected by a center line you have that pillar right in the middle so uh, insinuating that the division between the characters is also physical and uh, mental you have this line right there you have Howard on the left he is divided away from Wake who as he leaves goes out the other side but he's also cramped I guess and trapped you, and now you mentioned that you were talking about how like they they built all this stuff like this wasn't like an existing lighthouse or uh, structures on this island or whatever so when they constructed it it must have been like hey i want this pillar there because i want a shot later to have it in the middle yep. which i think is i think sometimes like you you go and you look for like film locations and you're just like okay like i can use this to like yeah, know, how does this reflect this my story? Or, or, or like, yeah. how can I use this area I'm into, like, to convey, like, whatever message I'm trying to get out? And I think it's different if you build your own structures because then he's, you know, probably it's probably super intentional the way that that is built, you know? Yep, and where the camera then is placed as an observer. So, yeah, so he's trapped in this room but also repulsed by um, uh, Wake's bodily functions because he, he's peeing into the chamber pot. Like, yeah, great, like, in our bedroom, cool. And then he leaves and he farts. And he's just so like, he's farting the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, goddamn fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so you have this wider, um, this large oppressive sense of being trapped on an island, and you're you're being dominated by um, by this character of of uh, Willem Dafoe, and he's he's driving all of the tension, really. And we had talked about that in the last part. It was a. Uh, why the aspect ratio is small and it makes them feel trapped. So it's like, I think if you have this, this wide screen and it's like, oh, look at like the lovely vistas on this island and beautiful views of the ocean and stuff like that, it conveys the completely wrong tone for the movie if it's widescreen. That's why it's like, it does make it feel like they're trapped here. This is, they're only going to be here this whole time. And having the aspect ratio smaller, I think, is, is a good, it, yeah. Everything about this movie is so intentional and it shows. It, it would, worked. Like, it, it worked really well. Yeah. Just choosing like, it, that it's being black and white or choosing that aspect ratio, I think helped to yeah. like push the narrative that the is they're trying to tell. Yeah. And it's really all about, it's only about these two characters and central to everything is their relationship. And 
I just I love the dynamic. You have this um, Robert Eggers described uh, Willem Dafoe's character as being so much fun to write because he just loved all of the lines that he was creating from the vernacular he talked he spoke in, and I think he he really brings to life this authoritarian sea captain, which I mean uh, he he may or may not even be a sea captain, but like that he brings so much character to this film through through the lines in the writing and then the acting as well is so so great but it, i think he's one of one of the most interesting characters that i've i've seen in a while even though he's based like kind of on a parody he brings like individual life to it that's what i put in my notes is like authentic everything he says is like feels like authentic it doesn't sound like uh, an actor just saying a line i was like oh this is like a real guy who is like he loves this lighthouse and he loves being a uh, you know loves being with one with the sea and he's everything he says is like it, it always connects back to like his relationship with the ocean and stuff like that and it all sounded authentic to me that's that was the big thing i put in quotes and underlined <laughs> <laughs> now Willem does a great job portraying the character i mean that's for sure I and mean, that's one thing that i definitely liked about the movie was his acting yeah. yeah, it is. What's interesting is like he's not really a likable character. No, he's not. I don't like his character, but I do like what he does as far as his job in the movie. <laughs> so what don't you like about his character? Uh, the whole fucking thing. Okay, <laughs> everything but the acting. Um, hot take. Hot so take. like, okay, like, I mean, there's a lot of characters like I like don't like but enjoy, which is what Willem Dafoe is in this movie mm-hmm. to me. It's like I don't fucking this dude is a dick bag. But, like, I fucking love, like, I love watching him portray the character because he does such a good job at it. And, like, I don't think I'm supposed to like him. I think I'm not supposed to like him. I think he does a good job at that. So, how do you like the interplay, then, between, like, who's really in the right and wrong? Nobody is in the right in this movie at all. Robert Pattinson's character is a fucking garbage person. So, So do you think they're both the villain or something? No, I don't think that there is a protagonist or antagonist in this movie at all. Okay. I, I don't like think that either one of them is pushing the narrative towards right or wrong. I, I don't yeah. think that there's necessarily even an emotional tie to this movie. Okay. Yeah. I like what you said about how uh, Willem Dafoe's character is like just kind of a dick. Yeah. There's a scene where uh, Winslow is carrying all that oil up the lighthouse yeah. in like a huge barrel. He's and a then he, he gets to the top and Wake is like, next time you use this thing. It's just like a little little pail to like put the oil in. And it's like, well... And he kind of like dogs on him. He's like, okay, you big idiot. Use the small thing. It's like he would have never had the opportunity to use it because Wake had it. So yeah. Winslow couldn't have used it anyway. Yeah, so he's he, fucking with him the he whole He wanted movie, him yeah. to pull the whole thing up. That so way I've, he could like give him a hard time about like being – he's like, he's like, are you dull? He's like, like, I'm like, pretty sure yeah, why would you, you, you a dullard? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, me. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he messes it with his perception of time throughout the whole movie he does too, the whole, which yeah. is why he misses the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, mind games with him. Yeah. He just loves messing. Yeah, with I think him. he's fucking with and, him, the and whole that's time. why I agree. Yeah. He's not likable. I, I don't. And I think you're right too. I don't think uh, Winslow's likable either. They're they both kind of suck. Yeah, but yeah. the way that they, I think just the back and forth between them, they are like so manic. They sometimes they like love each other, and yes. sometimes they are at each other's throats. And it's like it's crazy because it'll flip flop like mid scene. Yeah, it changes so rapidly. Yeah, I I love that, and I love. Where where all of it's coming from is it's it's uh, Wake needs to be in control for whatever reason it doesn't it doesn't even matter like your your, your duties need tended to you're behind schedule like it's always something you know you need to uh, polish your brass work you need to um, replace the shingles fix the cistern and all that stuff yeah it's everything he has just 
an item for everything that needs to be done, but he doesn't do anything. All he does is tend the light and make dinner. And he's like aggressive about. Yeah. He's like he's he says a bunch it's of times. He's like the light is mine. Like he's fucking and that's all he does. Like and and then he he comes after Winslow because he's like you know you're you're neglecting your duties. Like he's he he, he makes he gives him a hard time because he didn't swab the floors like well enough. And he's like, I want this to look like a. A, 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 sp- a sperm whale's pecker or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah that's <laughs> like one of my favorite like lines. Yeah, if I, and if, it, if I tell you to pull out every single nail and suck the rust off of every single yeah. one so they shine like a sperm whale's pecker, you'll do that's it. it. Yeah. That's and you'll that, like it because I says you like it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's, <laughs> why, that's why I love I love the dialogue in this movie, and I love how it's 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 delivered. Is it Everything felt real to me. I was like, oh, my God. Like, And it does. He totally captures that like sea captain, you know, like a, a guy who who just spends a lot of time at sea, you know, and it, it all felt like so real to me because everything is like it's a line I've never heard in my life, and I was like, oh my god, like this is I love the dialogue in this yeah, movie. It's no, so it's good. Yeah. yeah, and I I do love as um, Winslow starts to be uh, become more and more open, more and more crazy, how his dialogue changes as well. It's very stock, you know, same old boring story as how he was described by Wake earlier in the film, and then he just cuts loose. And just opens up vocal ranges in in Pattinson that that don't seem to that wouldn't normally exist. <laughs> yeah, they both have I, I they both have two really good like kind of long speeches, sort of like a, a long long takes where they just like deliver a, a good chunk of dialogue. And it's funny that they're totally different in like the vocabulary used. Like when Wake is giving his speech, it's like very intentional and everything is like it's it's all these like amazing lines. And then when Winslow gives him, he's it's just... like a fucking mess. He's like, yeah. ah, he's just like, he, he he's really just like cussing a lie. He's pretty vulgar. It yeah. seems like kind of not as coherent as Wake's was. Yeah. And it just, I thought it was cool. They both had these like really good long takes, but the speeches are completely different. And they both have like funny quips. So like Wake has his speech and then Winslow has one at the end. Like He has like a little quip at the end. And it's funny. And then Winslow gives his speech and then Wake has a little funny quip at the end. I thought it was interesting that like they both had these long takes and they both kind of end similar ways. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't pick up on that actually. Like what so what, what was Wake's? So Wake he is it starts out where uh not not his speech but his his quip. Oh, okay. So uh it, it's talking about the cooking or whatever. It's what the when Wake gives a big speech about his cooking and then he curses him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then at the end Winslow's like Fine, I like your cooking. Yeah, yeah, that That'd one. Be, yeah. yeah, but what was and what then, was? Yeah, and then Winslow gives his speech, and at the end, Wake is like, "You have a way with words." Like yeah. it's just like it's, it's just a funny little thing. It's like, funny. I just think it's funny that they both end with like just a, just a little jab at the. It's just a funny little joke at the end of it, and I yeah. think that's kind of how the speeches mirror each other. Like, yeah, they're delivered differently, and the dialogue is different, but they both end with like just a little. I just thought it was a funny little thing at the end. They both conclude the same way. Yeah, yeah, that that is funny. Um, and so the other th- the other big part of this whole whole film is just you know the the gay connotation the the uh, sexual tension between the two characters Dude, yeah. is so yeah. strong you know speaking of uh like he's using like the uh, this making the nails shine like a sperm whale's pecker very intentionally it's sexual language on purpose to um, reinforce that how Pattinson says, "Well, if I had a steak, boy, I'd, I'd fuck I'd it." Fuck it. Yeah, it's just like it feels like it's out of nowhere. Yeah, 
I told my wife that line, and now she doesn't want to watch this movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> or she doesn't want to eat steak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Driving by the Outback, like, oh, I don't know what McKinnon's thinking of. He's <laughs> <laughs> thinking about taking the Outback out back. <laughs> so, I, yeah, and when I gave Calvin's pretentious, like, my, my thoughts on what he thought of it, it, it is, like, this, I think the thing that made me think about this is all about repressed homosexualities because they, they'll be, like, really close with each other. And then all of a sudden they'll be like, "Oh, like this is gay. Like, let's fight now. Like, we need to, we need to, you know, reestablish that we're like men, and uh, you know, this is a, uh, you know, this isn't something we should be doing. You know, this is not a good interaction." I just never saw any of that, man. Well, so like when he's, bit, what do you mean, like when they're dancing and Wake is singing uh, a love song to him and he's just holding him. Doesn't I don't don't think that that means that you just thought they were you just thought they were really drunk and like and then he yeah, ju- and then he goes in for a kiss out, then he goes in for a kiss I did not notice that part <laughs> yeah, <there's> <laughs> like whatsoever yeah. that's why they start fighting is because he comes in for a kiss and uh, uh, Winslow pushes him off and then Wake's like oh okay and they both put up fisticuffs and just start beating the shit out of each other <laughs> yeah and so, there's a lot of scenes like that I didn't take it as repressed sexuality I, not one bit I, I took it as two guys alone on a lighthouse that just wanted some physical contact after being alone for weeks yeah I didn't take it as like, it's oh, like, maybe I, like I don't think that repressed. either one of them are homosexuals I just yeah I thought it was just that was not my, my they're alone I mean, I was Robert Pattinson is fucking jerking his gherkin to mermaids dude not a <sighs> not a guy mermaid not a guy mermaid a you see lady. titties yeah yeah just, I guess I get that but I wonder if it's just like We'll, we'll get more into yeah. that. There, there's a lot of interpretations there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, like, I mean, also taking, like, from the, the Hypnos uh, painting where um, Willem Dafoe is naked and staring at Robert Pat, uh, at uh, Winslow in his dream. I mean, the the paintings, the source material is very androerotic. Like, yeah. the, it's it's meant to come come into the film that way. And I think it's good that we can have different takes on it and it's, picked up on different things but yeah, yeah I, mean, I definitely thought that it was like oh like they and maybe they're not gay maybe uh, but it there to me it was like there was some level of like kind of i don't know maybe it's like they almost they something. almost explored something and then like when it got to it got to like this threshold and they were like okay never mind like let's 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 fight now yeah and like let's have an <laughs> argument and so that's what i that's like when i was watching i was like oh my so god i just thought they were just going batshit crazy yeah like, i yeah. think no fucking i, I think just Jaden and i don't have our heads in the gutter and you guys do yeah. Yeah. well there's also yeah. the in the beginning of the film he's fixing the shingles and he pulls one up and he sees down into wake sleeping and you see his ass and he's staring yeah at that it. part's weird as shit it's, well, I thought it's, he, it's I, gay voyeurism i thought that he was just a weird guy so wait, it's fucking I, weird. I didn't think that he was. Are, are you saying he was checking out? Okay, Willem but the, okay. Yeah. I it's thought like, that Willem Dafoe was masturbating. Yeah, there's he, a lot of jacking off going on. I think it's, I think it's also implied. Like okay. it could it could be interpreted that way, but like, you, you do I see. Think, his, I think his, so. His, so when he's looking up, when Willem Dafoe is in the White House, and Robert Pattinson goes underneath, and he's looking up, and all of a sudden, like hentai porn or something is going on. There. <laughs> I don't fucking know what's going on. But I'm like 99 percent sure that Willem Dafoe's splooge lands on Robert Pattinson. It doesn't land on him, but it does land. You do see a, a big fat wad. But like, it's, I wasn't sure if it was like octopus juice. I think it's I think it's definitely implied that it's it, it may not be semen, but it's you're supposed to take away from that scene. Okay. Like, this is a very sexual, gross thing yeah, that's happening. Yeah, it's disgusting. And also possibly a dreamscape. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, it may not literally be it, but it's supposed to be, like, interpreted as this is a, this is a I think Calvin described it with a fat wad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's my professional 
yeah. opinion of it. I think that's how four you years of school taught you that. Yeah, like that's how <laughs> that's how we describe things up Calvin, here in the Calvin upper Calvin attended the Fat Wad like, class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fat Wads in film. <laughs> Forty five hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that that scene for sure is very sexual in nature. It's well, there's a lot of sexuality going on. I mean, yeah, our pants and spankings baloney half the fucking movie. Dude, I love that. Uh, Given to habitual self abuse. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, are you just watching this dude beat <laughs> off? Like, what are you even doing in the White House? I love yeah, that. Like, you're supposed to be asleep, man. Yeah. I love that. That's how he describes it. Like, <laughs> self abuse, like in the shed or whatever. I think it's so. It's just again the dialogue in this movie is so good. It, uh, okay, so like that up. part. Okay, so I did catch a little bit gay vibes from there when, when he was reading the journal and then Robert Pattinson gets down on his knees. And I'm like, he's gonna suck this dude's dick right now. Is that what's gonna that's happen? What yeah. There's, that's okay. What, yeah. 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 Well, let's, right, maybe I just yeah. wasn't. Well, let's I did talk catch about that part. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the logbook because the logbook is is a really important um, motif. You know, um, Wake describes it being a. You're making high marks in me goss in me logbook, them's gospel, and it's basically, it's it's. Can you talk <laughs> like that the entire episode. Too? I I, w- I wish I could. I I've just, just I've just watched these these lines over enough. Like I just I, I love talking like that. Yeah, no, I it's great. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, um, so the logbook is um, it's a symbol. It's representational of um, Wake's approval for Winslow. So. It, it functions as um, as something that um, Winslow is trying to achieve. Like, he's trying to get the good marks to be seen and accepted by, um, by Wake. And so that's, that's why it's so important. Like, when, when we get to the end and we, he finally gets to know what, um, what Wake thinks of him, and he is just begging for him because he's so... He's like, like I, 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 yeah, I, tr- I trusted you. I thought, you know, we had built something and all you had done is just um, basically shit on me for an entire, like, you're, you're trying to ruin me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about, like, a, like recommended uh, dismissal without severance or something like that. Yeah. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, I've done all, and, and, like and he it does you, fucking everything. And, and yeah. yeah, like Calvin mentioned earlier, it's like, uh, Winslow is doing so much work and Wake is, like, literally just, like, he makes dinner and watches the light at night. And so it's like I I totally got that when he was like oh he dismissal without severance he's like are you joking like I I work so hard and uh, yeah it's like you you think that there's some kind of trust between them and then when you find out like uh, wakes like real thoughts on it he's just like ah this guy sucks and yeah it, it, it was like it, I think it's tough to watch that part too because I was like because I as a viewer thought like they had built a real friendship and whatever I mean, an odd yeah, friendship you're, you're but, a good and but uh. See, I but thought to he hear. was like sketchy the whole time. Like Which I was Wake. Wake or Winslow? Well, I mean, they're both sketchy, but I thought as far as like the relationship together, like it's like the relationship like for one for each other or whatever, is that like, Wake was more sketchy than Winslow was. Mm, why even do you think though, that? Even though that Winslow wasn't actually honest, he wasn't dishonest. He just wasn't being open with him. Like when he's like, "Oh, tell me your secrets, matey," or however the fuck he. <laughs> <talks."> <laughs> yeah. Why and, just spill your beans? Yeah. I love whatever. that. Part. But like, bef- and like he's like at first like he doesn't want to like he's very closed off. But Wake is like telling him that he is like you know they're do- it makes him feel so, like he's doing a good job and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it seems like he's been yanking his chain the whole fucking movie. Yeah, and actually like even even more to that like how much of uh, what Wake says can we take to be truthful? I mean, everything, right. everything he feels like a lie. Because he fucking turns around and, like, literally lies and, like, says, he's like, you were coming at me with an axe. I was going to bring up starts, Yeah, he at, starts yeah. gaslighting him. But even that, like, even, like, there's that part. But it's also, 
his whole backstory. So I want to talk it about changes like, constantly. Yeah, yeah, like whether his leg was broken, whether he it, he came down from scurvy, like was he really ever even married? I wanted to say something about the logbook too. I didn't interpret that he was trying to get Wake's approval. I interpreted that he was trying to get access to the light, and that's why he was putting in all this work. So when he saw that he was getting bad marks on everything, ooh, and that's maybe that's why Wake gave him for. bad marks. That's why that's why he was upset and begging. I th- I, I interpreted that as he was begging to see the light. I mean, he was also, yeah, like, he he did get down at that point. Yeah, you're right, too. Like, just let me see the light. Like, if you're not even going to um, give me your approval, at least let me see the light. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, he's consistently, like, watching the light, and he's, like, snooping in on Wake and trying to, like, see more of it. So that, no, I, that's I, what I got I like that because I thought he was, like Jane said, I thought he was just going to give him a head right there. Yeah, that that's what like, I thought it was I about. didn't get that. But <laughs> like, oh, my God, those, is he trying to suck this dude's those, dick? Those <laughs> parts were specifically asked to be cut by the financiers so they didn't get an NC double. So, I mean, it, it, talking more about the interaction between these guys and, and why I think it's, like, it's very clearly that homosexual repression is, like, so there's later on uh, – Winslow has Wake on, like, a leash, which is very BDSM. That that part was fucking weird. That whole thing, it's, like, it's very, and it's very kind of a, that's, like, the first kind of change in the dynamic between them where Winslow isn't in charge anymore. I mean, uh, Winslow is in charge now, and Wake is, like, not. This movie makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and and that's, uh, when I saw that scene, I was, like, okay, like, they're they're gay. Like, they they just aren't doing it, is is all. Like, they're just, there's so much, there's so much stuff that's just, like, it, it contextually is just very like homoerotic kind of stuff, and that's why that's why when I did Calvin's little thing, I was like, this is about their their need to tend to penis. That's what this movie is all about <laughs> to me. Yeah, the te- well, that's why they're called tenders. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was curious if you guys noticed in that scene where Willem Dafoe is on his hands his, kn- his hands and knees, he's got um black stuff on his knees like you can you can see that his skin suit is tearing oh, oh God, i was saying just like under the skin <laughs> i was right there with you Skeeto. shut up dude i was really impressed that i caught that it's a so. good it's <laughs> a good deep cut if you watched the uh, right. if you listen to the uh, under yeah. the skin those <laughs> few those few who have been with us since the beginning if you if you listen to that you'll understand that this is a crossover episode between lighthouse and under the skin but yeah that reference is somewhere in the 2 hour and 46 yeah. minute first episode <laughs> But yeah, that that whole scene about it, it it doesn't make it a lot of sense like on its face. You know, why does he have him on a leash leading him into the uh the grave as and keeps calling him dog. But if you go back through the film, dog is um a constant refrain. He calls him that a bunch. He yeah. calls him that a bunch. He Wake, also Wake calls Winslow a dog a bunch. Wake yeah. Wake calls Winslow a dog a bunch and one time Winslow is drunk, in this case, we could call him Howard, and he's he says, uh Foreman Winslow was always ragging on me too, calling me a dog. Yeah. So it is a that and that's important because it's connecting Foreman Winslow with Wake's character as these domineering um, characters in uh, or figures in Winslow's life. The and so, kids. huh? What? Yeah, right, yeah. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you have so dog is really important there i mean the language in general is is really important as to the power dynamics because you have you know at the beginning when um wake tells him that he didn't scrub the floors and um winslow says well no i did i i scrubbed him twice over and um he says well i didn't sign up to be no man's housewife Housewife, or slave taking this job um you know 
clearly showing like his un- being uncomfortable with the power dynamic of yeah, being yeah. like a female um, in in a patriarchal society. Um, it's also interesting how uh, Wake keeps calling him pretty as a picture, eyes bright as a lady. That's what I'm saying. This movie is about these dudes are repressed. <laughs> like <laughs> that's what th- I'm just saying. That's what this movie is all about. See, yeah. I thought he was just using vocabulary like that to drive a point. I didn't think that there was a deeper meaning I about thought, yeah, repressed I thought sexuality. Yeah. I thought he was just bringing him down. Like, yeah, like hey, is. you're not a man like I am. Well, exactly. I thought he was saying yeah. pretty as but a I lady. I didn't think like that he... mean that he like wanted to fuck him. I get that. Yeah, yeah, it's you could look at it on its face. On its face, yeah, it would be just uh, in, um, implying a power dynamic between the two that you are not equal to me. But then it's all of these other sexual um, themes and symbols that we see that help support why why everything is so androerotic. So I get it. Yeah, and and yeah, like I said, like you can watch a movie and you don't have to go through every nook and cranny and figure out what everything's about. Sometimes you can just watch it and be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just he's just trying to establish like dominance over this guy. He's like I'm in charge and and that's fine. Like, I'm not I'm not like knocking you guys for being like you didn't get the you didn't get like what I got out of it. You know yeah, we can all take different things from this. But to me, I was just like it's just a lighthouse. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes Ab- it's a penis. Absolutely Sometimes. not. It is only a penis. <laughs> 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 I I yeah. Please I think disregard we'll everything I said as to interpretation in previous. You can just ignore all of that. There is everything means something else in this film. Absolutely. Everything. I think there's a quote. There's an interview with uh, Robert Eggers, and he says like uh, nothing good can come of two men trapped inside of a phallus. Yeah, yeah, he's like a yeah, That's that's basically <laughs> yeah. his elevator pitch for the yeah. whole for for the film. He uses that in a lot of interviews. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it's all of this. Um, it, it's interesting too how Wake actually functions more as uh, a motherly character in the film, though. How he's the one always cooking. There's one shot where he's knitting. He even gets upset. Do you know he? This sorry, we should have put this in the fun fact section, but. He, uh, Willem Dafoe learned how to knit for this. He didn't know how to knit before. Oh. So he's actually, he really learned. He, like, all the stuff he has that he's made, he, he did it himself. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like a 15-second shot. But he learned, how to, he learned how to knit just for that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, and he also described, like, don't you, don't you like me cooking? Like, he's very upset by the fact that, um, that Winslow doesn't like his cooking. Like, all of these very mater- ma- uh, maternal personality traits he actually embodies, which is so strange because he's also this domineering asshole. That's, uh, that's a good point to make. I, I guess I didn't, like, catch that. I guess I just sort of thought they had different chores, and his, his yeah, chore I, was cooking. I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see female dynamics in certain things that people do the way that you're describing them. It's it's not because Jaden's so woke, you know. That might be it. Dude. I don't know, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> but and it's it's the language of film in that these are how they function as objects for narrative construction. They like the general public looks at them this way, and this is how we create narratives out of those. So that's why. I guess I just I didn't create that narrative out of that. It's <laughs> not the way. Oh, I and, saw that, it. and and yeah, yeah. I said like it's a. Uh, we talked a little while ago. It's like a same with like any kind of media you come in contact with. It's like it's your interpretation of the director's content is yeah. what the story really is. The director can do whatever he wants, and how you react to it is 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 solely your own. And like that's how every movie, every book, everything you watch, it's it's your 
it's your take on it. So yeah, if yeah. that's what you got, then that's what you got. You know, yeah. and I, 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 I can, I can. But tell now you. Calvin's ruining it for me. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot, and then, and there's a lot of it. Like like Akers talks about. There's there's a specific amount of ambiguity he wants in in the film, and but just from a personal standpoint, the way I I see, I saw myself and um, other classmates creating films. We had a very specific intention with how what what how we wanted our films interpreted, but. I think they do work better when there's a little bit of uh, openness to how you're going to see something, because then all of the all of the audience um, and all of their baggage, all of their uh, um, their psychic elements get poured into what um, basically a half-filled vessel, and it helps flesh out the film for them. For sure, I, I I think that especially with like books and movies that are ambiguous, it's like whatever your kind of mind's eye comes up with it makes that story more real for you. It makes you relate to a character or a narrative better if it's, like, the more vague it is. I mean, a movie can't be, like, entirely vague. But if there are parts that are ambiguous, you can you can kind of assign your own kind of idea or theory that goes with that, and that makes that story kind of resonate or relate more to you. And I think this movie did a good job of that. There were, there were things I was like, you know, I don't, I don't like being told exactly what's going on all the time. So it was nice to watch something and be like, oh, this is what I think of it, and... And now, now this movie means more to me because I wasn't just told what I was supposed to feel. It's like I came up with it on my own, and so that's why I think that that, that that's part of the reason I really like this movie, is is that like I I got to kind of assign my own ideas to it. So that's yeah, yeah, and I love how you know the relationship functions so well that this could just be a drama just between two characters, and it works so well. But the other part that I really love, I I like a lot of mythological and supernatural. Um, images and stories those types of things and i like how there's just this general sense of dread created by all of these su seemingly supernatural things like what's happening right in his, uh, with his with his mind um the images of proteus um yeah that that that, that really struck a chord for me when i when i first went into this movie i thought it was just going to be like a psychological thriller then i watched it i was like this is just a movie about like two guys like hanging out mm. but then there is like there i think i think you're right it could have just been two guys in a drama and it would have been fine but the fact there is some like supernatural elements to it i was like it made the story like more intriguing and it's interesting too where the driver for all the supernatural elements is coming from it's all coming from wake you know bad luck to leave a toast uh unfinished um bad yeah. luck to kill a seabird talking about how his second went mad and died believing in merfolk and bad omens and that salvation that saint elmo's fire was in the light and salvation was was held there like like all of that is coming it's only coming from him so it's very interesting that um you know whether these elements are real or not they're they're all the, the source is still the same I, I love the atmosphere that it creates out of it because it makes you question whether he's really a real a human because even uh winslow says that at one point he says you're not even human anymore being away from regular folk for so long right yeah and yeah that that ambiguity of whether he is real or not or god or not is it really drives to the the mystery and the tension with everything no yeah i, I totally get that it is a. Uh, I think it speaks a lot to like the kind of psychological warfare that seems to go on between them whereas like wake is like always like just messing with winslow and like his how he perceives things and this it, it, it yeah all this psychological stuff all comes from from wake messing with winslow yeah, and it's not only Wake that's messing with him. It's the the entire island 
you know like think of uh, uh the sound like the foghorn is constantly shrieking in his ear is that fucking real yeah that was real it's okay, it cuz like he he says at some point wake does to winslow that it's not What's not real? The foghorn. When he's discussing, when he hears... Oh, like, you mean like, is it actually going off? On. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, it's not. They're not literally hearing it. It's just a part of the score. No, they're no, literally w- hearing Winslow it. Winslow is what? definitely literally hearing it. Yeah, they're I, definitely hearing it. But like, he's shoveling said, co- coal, and it, actu- and it sounds, and he plugs his, his ears. ears cause yeah, because yeah, no. it's so loud. Where's it coming from? I don't know. He's actually cleaning it at one point. He's, you know, he's actually... Oh, there's literally a foghorn yeah, on Yeah, there's the literally a foghorn. But Wake refers to, like, his old tendy, tender, or whatever the fuck, as him seeing merfolks and hearing foghorns. Uh, wow, this is a... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch that part. What I have written down is he saw, he was believing in merfolk and bad omens. Omens and hearing foghorns. Wow, we've reached an impasse here. Cause I, I could be wrong. Was, I, I didn't think it was real. But the whole time, yeah, the Connie whole time I to, thought it was in his head. Yeah, you'll have to put that. Well, there, there definitely, it's definitely real at some points. So maybe if it's not constant, but it's interesting because you actually have it mirrored in. Um, it's supposed to be uh, a reflection. Like Wake's farts are supposed to be representative of the oppressive nature of the foghorn, because there's actually a couple sound cuts where he farts and it. And it crossfades into the foghorn. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so the whole island is basically it could farts. be. Yeah, it could be like it's seen as. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the, <laughs> the reason I didn't think the foghorn was like the character's not literally hearing it is because so I I did a little research on kind of the, some of the sound design behind the movie and so this is a real recording of like a, a foghorn in like somewhere in Seattle it's like maintained at some lighthouse or something and they recorded it and then i don't remember who did the score but they went in and then like kind of messed with the the sound to kind of like drag out certain notes like reverberate certain things and so it almost has like kind of a synthetic sound to it yeah i thought and so that's why i don't think it's real because it's already been messed with and it doesn't sound real i mean no i think the foghorn itself is i think it's it's um it's, it's a it's a real recording the, that yeah. they messed with though i don't think they messed with it i think for the foghorn itself it's actually um that real horn but we're gonna have to peer review our sources yeah because i got it so sorry we came into this unprepared (laughs) apparently but yeah maybe he messed with it in the score but i'm pretty sure that the the actual the actual sound i guess i wonder then what is what is part of the score and what is literal is what i wonder now probably the foghorn is literal yeah the rest of it is yeah what's what's diegetic and what's non-diegetic that's that's an interesting question Um, but yeah, then you also have the, the seagull cries, you know, the shrieking that mirrors the, the, uh, mermaid shrieks as well. It's, it's all of that together. Like all of this sound is so oppressive. All of the waves and rain, all of these sounds that just constantly, um, are bombarding him. I, I wrote down that, I, I mean, oppressive is a good word. I wrote uncomfortable. Everything Mm -hmm. about the sound design of this movie made me feel uncomfortable. And I think Jaden had like mentioned that before. He's just uncomfortable watching it, uncomfortable hearing it. And that's why I talk about like the, uh, like the foghorn that there's at least at some point there's one that it's, it's kind of edited and it's changed. And so it's not quite a foghorn. It's got some kind of synthetic parts to it that are done in like post or whatever. And it, yeah, I'm just like, because it, it sounds like a foghorn, but it's like not quite right. And to me, it's like, it's unsettling. It, it, there's a lot of stuff in the sound design that I think is meant to make you feel uncomfortable for sure. Yeah. And they wanted it to be, they wanted to have a unique sounding foghorn. That was, that was a part of their It's fucking design. annoying. It's, I mean, it's great. It's so how great. unique it is. So we, we talked about in Under the Skin, how like that movie almost has no score to it. And I think this movie is really similar to that. It's like, it just shows up just enough for you to be like reminded of 
the atmosphere you're in and like why are you hearing these things that's supposed to make you feel a certain way but it's like this movie also has like i think a very scarce score yeah it really does i i love like um the the entire score how it fades in and out of the dialogue too is right yeah it's it's beautiful but yeah and so continuing on with the uh supernatural elements you also have uh the the seagull harassing him the one eye yeah with the one eye you know um the soul of the of the second who was killed so to bring that up i didn't catch that until the second time i watched it i, I didn't, didn't even realize that, that. any time until you guys just said it i oh didn't man. he only the seagull only has one eye only has yeah one eye. the one that's, what you that's had, you didn't notice that it was immediately when i saw that bird uh-uh. yeah I mean, I was busy looking at other crap, I guess. <laughs> Apparently not their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I look at something usually. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So is this the, the seagull that he kills? Yep. Yes. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So that that is, it's implied that that's the, the spirit of the second and why he's tormenting him. I think I think it actually starts out that he's trying to warn him. and he's I think so too. Ass- yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. such an so, asshole about it. So he talks Man. about, uh, uh, Wake talks about like why you shouldn't kill seabirds. And Winslow's like, why? He's like, well, it's the spirit of like sailors lost at sea. And then later on in the movie, they pull up like a crab pot and it's the head of the first assistant and he's missing an eye. And so it's, I, I think it's very clearly implied that the seagull is the spirit of the first assistant. And that's why I totally agree with you guys. It's like, it's warning him, like, this dude is, like, Wake is a, a trash. Like, watch out. And, uh, you know, Winslow obviously doesn't realize that. And he just is annoyed and he kills the bird. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't. The second time I watched the movie is when I realized the bird had one eye. And that's when I made the connection. Like, oh, it's supposed to be, like, the spirit of the first assistant. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I got I got some theories about the seagulls that I'll save for the next part. Yeah. Great. I'm excited to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then I guess wrapping up our discussion of motifs, um, the, I th- I'd say that the, the last most important one I have before we get into some of the more union um, symbols is alcohol. Alcohol is so important um, as a means of control for Wake over, oh, uh, over Winslow. Yeah, that one's... Um, because he, he, at the beginning he's talking about how you know they get to the doldrums and they need al- it's the only medicine that can that can keep because it keeps men agreeable it keeps them happy and and then Winslow interjects and keeps them stupid. Yeah, yeah, which he's right. So he's I liked. Right, yeah. I think the scene I liked a lot. Um, you know when they they like running out of uh, the food spoiled or whatever. Oh yeah, I want to talk about that. So they uh, they go and they dig up the alcohol that he has like buried near the lighthouse he's all what the f- okay and so so I, I mean this is a, a connection i made and i was really proud of myself on this one so they dig up the alcohol and now they're just like boozed up basically the rest of the movie and then at the end of the movie we talked about how he gets let out on the wake gets let out on the dog leash and he gets thrown into the hole that they dug up the uh alcohol from yep and to me to me it was like a symbol of like as soon as they really committed to being drunk all the time it was to me, it's like they were digging their own grave, at least like Wake was. And he ends up in that hole is like his grave later. Ooh. Yeah, that's like trying to control him. He dug his own grave. Yeah, and that's what I, that's, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I have a really profound thing to say. That, when is, we record <laughs> this. that, that is, is so stutter. pretentious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before that is actually like one of my favorite, um, there's, there's so much just before that. When uh, uh, Wake comes to tell him that the food stuff is spoiled, you can see uh, Winslow shoveling the coal. Um, He's, he picks up the bottle, doesn't drink, puts it back down. And when the camera tilts back up, you see Wake uh, in the background, and he realizes he's not he's losing control. The alcohol is the control, and he doesn't want to drink. He needs to drink more alcohol. And he yells at him, 
you know, uh, the and he doesn't hear him. He pulls out earplugs, which I think earplugs. is a cool sound design part because the the all the audio is quiet, and then he pulls the headphone the, yeah. the earplugs out, and the audio picks back up. I thought that was I always think that's cool when you do yeah. little things like that. But it's also symbolic um, of him trying to drown out the foghorn um, as a, as uh, a connection to Wake's farts. He's trying to live in this impressive environment. He's trying not to be controlled by him, not drinking the alcohol, and um, trying to drown out the noise. And Wake sees that. And I don't think that the food stuff really spoiled. Or if he did, he did it on purpose so that he could dig up the rations oh, okay. to get the alcohol. I like that. And I like get that him take. back under his under his toe. Was okay. was his all thumb, I mean. was all of the rations just drink? Was there any it food? Was, nope. I didn't think so. I didn't know if there it was like hidden so in the, the box. What the fuck did they eat? I, these like caught lobsters and stuff then? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, Dang, prob- that sounds good. Just like partying with some lobsters and some drink. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> if you're no, not, if you're not stuck on an so. island with crazy Willem Dafoe, that sounds really great. All right. And with that, I think we're, I think we, we come to an end on this episode. I think we discussed the themes kind of, uh, especially like the relationship between Wake and Winslow pretty well. Uh, and so uh, please join us for our part three of this uh, series on The Lighthouse. I'm your host, Connor, and I have my co-host, Jaden, here. Yeah. And our producer, McKinnon. What's up? And former guest, Calvin. Thanks for continuing to have me. And uh, thanks for listening, guys.